you are now about to witness the awesome crushing uh, a might of the Eugene S. Robinson Show. Stop out of the... I'm not getting any audio. God damn it. Ah, I don't think anybody can hear me. Let's try this. You can't hear me. Oh, good. Okay. I don't see any register. All right. Welcome, my friends, to a show that apparently never ends, even though it doesn't show me that you can hear me. This is a, a version number 187 on the undercover cop. Uh, apropos of a lot of things, we're going to talk about a lot of things. The very last and least of which will be mixed martial arts. My goodness. But first, let's let Bob Riley sing us in as he has since 2007. Stigmata. Intro all of Nothing is a Song. Calling of the Justice of Records, still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California. Ready to hit your car with a hammer, shoot your death in a nightclub, and get rid of your pro tem mayor. Listen to Bob Riley. Listen well. But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right, all right. Ah, on a fine, wet, rainy day in California, I'm guessing many of you have other things to do with your time that are more important or significant than being here. But you know what? It's not the fault of the other people that the other people don't show. So we're going to do the show anyway. And it's not the fault that this was uh, execrable. Is oopsie yesterday, uh, Vittori and Paulo Costa. Um, you know, I don't think ever before have we seen a fighter. Uh, yeah, man. If you're in California, I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen to my fish pond. Uh, uh, I- I'm glad I no longer have to top it off. Um, you don't need to know about my insane relaxation scheme which of course is not very relaxing at all with the rain barrel and then this thing. And the, I should have more rain barrels to collect the rain, the gray water, which then of course will end up being, I can't even start talking about it. <laughs> Mildewed, algae filled, mosquito infested. So it's just better not. We got the fish, got the pond. It's beautiful. I'd show it to you if you could actually see it. Uh, but it's now strewn with leaves and uh, the rain is topping it off. But anyway, I, I, I have my ear, my left ear, kind of goes in and out of of being able being useful as you may have remembered those of you who are watching versus listening on soundcloud you see this y-shaped scar i have right here 
This is where I got hit with a bottle by the Cougines, as you may remember from the previous story. I'm starting to sound like Dave Emery or Mabe Russell, except I'm not talking about things quite as lofty. But it was great how Costa, Apollo Costa, was like, fuck it. I'm not going to make weight. I fight at 185, but I walk around at 225, and ah, yeah, nah, I can't do it. I can't help you. See, what started to happen and started to fray at the edges, before we even get into the show, I'd like to discuss this. So maybe I am going to talk about MMA. What if you, as have been described by some of our past friends of Knuckle Up, if you are like the world's worst girlfriend or boyfriend, as the case may be, uh um, you have to expect that at some point somebody's going to meet or and and or match your energies. And that's what we saw this weekend. Oh, we, we desperately need a fight on 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 October uh whatever yesterday was the 20th or the 21st. We does okay, I'll fight. Oh great, Paula Costa saved the day. I can't make weight. Okay, well, great. What weight can you make? I I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You can't make 185? I can't make 185. What about 195? Okay, I'll have 195. Well, I can't, you know what? I can't really make 195 either. Well, what can you make? Can you make 205? Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll make 205. Walking around at 222. Can you make anything less than 220? Nah, I can't really make less than 222. You can't make less than 220? Nah, nah. You're going to have to give up 30% of your purse. Eh, whatever. <laughs> you know, when you have people who don't give a shit, it's just, it, you know, it's, listen, I learned, uh, my approach was when I went to cover the WBC World Valley Tudo Championship in St. Petersburg, Russia, 1999. I was traveling with Federico Lapenda, and uh, we're getting to that. Don't jump the gun. Um, uh, and uh, Federico Lapenda, who is now a film producer, like 10 things happened in the first five hours of the trip that would have completely flipped me out if I'm responsible for getting a whole tranche of American fighters over to Russia, and he just rolled with it. It was like a wonderfully Brazilian way of dealing with things. Like, yeah, 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 you know. And that lasted. I came back, and I was inspired by his example. I was the most relaxed guy in the world for about eight months after I got back. Just bad shit happened. I'd be like, yeah, you know, this is life. What happens? You just got to relax and roll. Matuda Katana, whatever that thing is from that movie. Katuna Akuna Matata. And uh, and then I was in traffic one day and and right back to the old New Yorker that I was. Uh, um, uh, so uh, I, um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, just Costa was like, ah, whatever, whatever. We're in whatever land now. When you're in whatever land now, with you're in a in a relationship, you know, or or a job situation, you kind of know that that that's you're, you're at the point where. The end is in sight, <laughs> you know, like uh, Evander Holyfield once said to me, he said, he said, he said, he goes, you know what? He said, you could, you could poop in a hole in the ground and nobody will care. I thought that was an incredibly, wonderfully Southern and piquant way to describe it. Like not, I mean, not just poop, not just poop outside, but poop in a hole in the ground that presumably you yourself dug and just nobody's going to care. Nobody cares. They don't care. I'm the guy that poops in the hole. They just don't care. So I think that's where we are now with the oopsie. That's why I'm not going to talk about it beyond. However, it must be said that once you get to whatever land, wonderful thing, um, wonderful things might happen. Um, because I think I think the oopsie benefits from guys who really want to be there. Now, there are two categories of guys. You get the ones that are completely crazy. 
like Sean Strickland, who goes like, it's my dream to murder somebody in the cage. All right. <laughs> this guy, yeah, it's like that uh, Key and Peele skit. He does know we're just ginning up a fight. He, he, he Clearly, it's like uh, like my old boss said about me. I can't tell whether Eugene doesn't give a shit or is acting like he doesn't give a shit. You know, some of these people, it just doesn't make a difference. They don't care. So if you get the, you know, you got the whatever guys with the don't give a shit guys, and pretty soon that, you know, the only reason the UFC works is you got those cats who really want this, who really, you know, who like, man, I'm going to buy, I got a system for what? For scratchers. You mean those scratch off lottery tickets? Yeah, yeah, I got a system. Really? What's your system? Okay, okay. I go on Tuesday after three o'clock. The kids come, go. I stand in line at 7-Eleven. I get a Slurpee. I jump around on one foot. It's a system that works. You got those guys who figure that they're playing the oopsie game. <laughs> you think that they're playing the oopsie game and they think they can master that game? That game is called Calvin Ball. There are no rules to that game. It, 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 it pimps and profits off of your enthusiasm. So good luck to you. I think I'm done talking about fighting. And Mr. Mr. Is is talking about Fedor. <laughs> what? It's nice. It's a Bellator fight. It means that the, the end was, the conclusion was foregone. There was no, I mean, that's not always true. But in this instance, you know, nobody, the jungle did not want Fedor to lose. But Fedor did something that was really interesting this week. He spoke up and said about how horrible the bald one is. And immediately, we might have friends at, at newspapers who don't like a story like that. They might like a story like that. And, and no sooner than that came out of your mouth than company man who's been quoting me apparently on the Twitter machine, Daniel Cormier, says, yeah, you know, you know, Fedor wasn't really among the greatest. He never fought the greatest in the oopsie, completely eluding, uh, you know, skating by the fact that the reason he never fought the greatest in, in the oopsie was because of the bald one stymied the, yeah, okay, it takes two to tangle. The bald one and and Vad, Vlad, Vadim Fink, Finkelschein, uh, who is the head of uh, M1, screwed that deal up doesn't make a difference it doesn't make a difference it doesn't make a difference we were robbed of those fights and um and at this point now you know whatever hope that you had of seeing johnny boney joni as an independent actor you know a revived holyfield when holyfield ganked no you know justifiably ganked showtime for 40 40 million dollars when he was high on the hog standing on top of the barrel instead of over it um so you know we're not going to see we're not we might see we and now that uh Nganu is making noises you know they don't really like having african champs let alone african-american champs and Ngannou is making noise about why do i why am i going into debt with these training camps and you know they at the baldwin at this point knows you know what i just want the, the compliant negroes that's all in fact, I just want to comply. I want a bunch of golly gee williker, enthusiastic, scratcher system uh, uh, fighters. And that's who I can make my hay off of. Like that, if you followed me on a Twitter machine, you see I, I tweeted out the guy who's officially the hardest puncher in boxing and nobody knows his name. Who was his manager? Don King. Don King put him on undercards at crappy fights. And we don't know who he is, even though the guy's got a bona fide record. And it's technically, officially the hardest puncher in all of boxing, historically speaking. We don't know about him. These guys are going to skate. They're going to die and go to hell. And nobody will be none the wiser about what the damage they really wrought 
to a sport that we love. Okay, so uh, that's it for the MMA portion of the show. I got nothing. Ah, I got nothing good to say about it. Let's back up. Make believe I didn't spend twelve minutes on that, and go straight to uh, why we're here. Uh, uh, commercials. Pinko nine five zero one four at yahoo.com is a place if you want to donate to, to PayPal. If you want, uh, I think it's Cash App or Venmo. You'll know it's Eugene a dash. Uh, uh, Robinson dash 28. Uh, if it's Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the stomper. Yeah, I'm starting to learn it now. Now that I'm dependent on this for, for actual food, <laughs> I'm starting to remember these things. Or you could send it like Tommy Pounds does the old fashioned way, um, um, the old fashioned way, and, uh, and, and send it through the mail. And I'm going to give you the post box now because I never do. But uh, rare, I'm not even going to write it in. You'll get a pen and try to remember it if you can. P.O. Box 19271, Stanford, California. And the zip code is 94309. Consider yourselves. Uh, you could reprint it if you want. I'm not going to. I'm not going to write it down. I don't, you know, and the only reason it's not my paranoia towards you is but they've threatened me with arrest several times. <laughs> I'm actually not kidding you. I'm actually not kidding you. Uh, <laughs> distributing harmful material through the postal system. I, I apparently this poster I used to have as postcards, and you know you send a check in one of those cheap envelopes. You don't want people to see it. You send a check, so I just wrapped the checks in whatever piece of paper I had laying around. Sometimes it was this as a postcard, and I got a you know apparently the people who I sent my mortgage check to thought that I was sexually harassing them from afar. And they called the, the, the postal cops on me. <laughs> they threatened. And I got a little salty with the guy. He goes, hey, we could just show up and arrest you. I was like, ah, nah, nah, nah. let's not get hasty. <laughs> let's not get hasty. Because I was like, oh, oh, we're going to arrest me for penis? You know, borrowing a line from Sharon Stone from uh, Basic Instinct. Uh, but my ear is still messed up. It goes in and out of hurting. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe I should go to the doctor. Everybody keeps saying I blasted it with 91% isopropyl alcohol because somebody told me to do that. And that was a very bad idea. <laughs> the amount of pain that I endured that I felt as a result of that is noteworthy. It's almost like the time I gargled with isopropyl alcohol after an engagement that I thought was highly questionable, a sexual engagement. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, mm, okay. Uh, let me gargle with something. I thought that would do it. And that was incredibly painful. So the second time I gargled with <laughs> not so proper alcohol, eh, that was tough too. Fortunately, I stopped. I stopped with number two. Um, so you have the commercials. The commercials are out of the way. And uh, I, I, and I, I'd like to talk about something. And we kind of hinted at it. So um, I'm working out. I'm working out at the Olympia in Ridgewood, Queens. You're right on the border. You've heard me talk about this place before. Right on the border between uh, Brooklyn and Queens, John Gotti stomping grounds out there near Ozone Park, and um, and uh, you know a lot of guys were connected who trained there. You know, I, nah, nah. I use hydrogen peroxide with a mixture of isopropyl alcohol, and so it foamed and it burned and it burned and it foamed. Anyway, so, you know, this was the thing where I, I figured out that the mafia was about 
small measures. It wasn't like the big oak desk and the Godfather that you saw. There was about a guy driving up with a sky blue Buick uh, Riviera, had a ha having a, a yeah, it's raining, so the cats, the deaf cats inside. So uh, open up the trunk with a with a crossbar in the back, and he's got a bunch of suits. And I go, oh, these guys selling these cheap suits. And I'm basing, you know, you people would pay $800, $900, for $1,500 for a suit in the old days. This guy was selling them for $200. And finally I realized if you sell a $200 suit and you paid zero for it, it's all gravy. And so I went from thinking about the mafia as like, like another institution, like the railroads in America or the steel company, and started thinking of them as kind of cheap hustlers. But then I realized it's all about scale, percentages. I hijack like five trucks of suits sell all those suits for $200 and, and pay no money for those suits outside of the minor risk associated with hijacking the trucks. I'm, I'm, it's gravy. I'm an earner. So at, you fall into, you fall into the gym hustle and people are talking, some guys walking around, some Irish Italian cat, who, but he, he, people think, Oh, these guys, are these scumbags are dealing drugs to kids. You do realize that kids who get drugs in high school, if you're a 14 year old, who are you getting drugs from? You're getting drugs from a 16-year-old. Who's he getting drugs from? From an 18-year-old. Who's he getting drugs from? From a college guy who's been doing it for four years, who's 21, and so on. So it's not so much like an adult male is cruising up to them and say, hey, kids, you want some nose candy? No, nah, that's, that's, that, that's, not, that's not happening. Well, now you can get a suit from Alan Dupetit for $19. So it's cheaper than a T-shirt. That's where my suits come from now because it's not the suit that makes the man. It is the man who makes the suit. So, um, so this cat's walking around. And he says, "Hey, Eugene, you know, uh, or he doesn't come up to me. I hear he's got, he's got, you know, this is New York of the '70s. You know, you got to stay. I want to buy a piece. You know, uh, yeah, I want to buy a piece. So this guy comes and says, "Hey, man, I got a, I got, I got a, I got a. You want a sawed-off shotgun? I heard you." So yeah, what do you got? You know, so we go. I mean, everybody's on the hustle at the gym between between you know deadlifts and squats or whatever. So the guy says, "I got this high standard adjustable choke, twelve gauge shotgun. It's great. You get yourself a." Ha I go, "You cut it for me?" He goes, "Nah, just, I'll give you the hacksaw blade. I want to cut it. It's a federal law for me to cut it, but it's easy enough. You just do it in your basement. Get it, you know, boom, boom, knock, knock it off." So I'm like, "Great, yeah, great." So how much? You know, so the guy tells me, "I." I <laughs> I, I was working a job as a cashier at a fast health food restaurant then. So I was making a little bit of money. So I bought this thing. I never think about how I was going to get a home. Right. So I put it in my gym bag and the thing stuck out like two feet from the, the gym bag. And of course, in my mind, it looks like exactly precisely what it is. I wrap it up in a sweatshirt. It's still sticking out of the bag, you know, and I'm driving the subway. And of course, as luck would have it, a cop gets on like right there. And I'm like <laughs> sweating and just shaking, you know. Can, but, you know, this is New York in the 70s. He just wants to get on the train, make sure nobody's being raped or murdered, and then get off the train. He's not doing any Sherlock Holmes stuff. Son, what is that you have in your bed? So I get the gun home and I hide it. You know, you got to hide stuff in the house, but now, now I got, it. and now this becomes Eugene's secret treasure, right? Everybody leaves the house and I'm like taking the gun out and I'm staring around, I'm staring around in the mirror. I'm like, man, I'm having, you know, I used to say in the old days, they would have, in the 1940s, they'd have a, a film poster of a man and a woman, you know, looking, you know, and then they had a man and a woman and a gun, you know? And by the time we got to like the 70s, 80s, it would be like 
like a man and a gun tango and cash but or two guys and a gun and then it was just a man with a gun like arnold and you know he's got a gun and then eventually i go there's just gonna be a movie where it's just a gun in the ad right there's no there's like no more gun. so anyway so i'm but this is 78 79 and uh <laughs> so i'm like yeah i got the gun they parents leave everybody leaves the house and i'm like in the mirror like you know Sam Peckinpah, who was a badass director at that time, and, and I guess Scorsese still, uh, Scorsese, and I'm like, you know, popping the the shells out. And at one point, you know, like I'm walking across the room, you know, I know I'm learning about the safety. I'm learning about the gun. Nobody's told me about dry firing. I'm, you know, just enjoying this extension of power, right? And at one point, I'm in the mirror in my bedroom, and I turn away. I turn away and I go, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I, I unloaded it and have the safety on. Let me check. But instead of making the check a visual check, I actually pull the trigger. <laughs> and of course, not only was the safety on, not only was the safety not on, but it was fucking loaded. Now, I'm going to call bullshit on every single movie that has people shooting inside the house. I'm going to call bullshit and confirm a few things. First of all, I would expect that if I was shooting off a shotgun, when I could hear the next door neighbor beating his son and people arguing at the kitchen table on the other side, because these houses are connected, I would expect that a shotgun blast in your bedroom at four in the afternoon would garner some notice. It did not garner any notice. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. New York in the 70s, shotgun blast. So the idea that you could shotgun somebody to death and your neighbors would go, oh my God, what's that? Let's call the police. Forget about it. That's not happening. The thing I'm going to call bullshit on is where they like start shooting inside a place and then walk to their car comfortably and have a conversation because I couldn't hear shit. I could hear that. I turn around and look. A hole blasted through my bedroom door. And uh, uh, not only blasted through the bedroom door, but all out into the hallway. We had this nice kind of three-story brownstone. Just boom, she just shot all in the... I think, uh, it, Thank God it wasn't bear shot. It was buckshot, but still all over. I go, oh my God, I got to fix it. So before the parents get home, it's like cat in a hat. So I go in the basement, I get some yellow paint, I put dabs on every single one of the, or either like, like a cop, take the, the shot out of the wall, or I put dabs of paint on it, cover it, and now I got to deal with the hole in the door. And so like, like I, I, I put a little key thing on, a poster on one side and a key thing on the other, and this worked. This was not discovered by my parents until I think I was like, <laughs> like several years outside of college. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, I was working on a project. And then I felt like, man, I'm an adult now. I don't know I have to lie. So I told my step stepfather first. And he was like, Phew, you know. And I told, then I told my mother. And I, I knew she would be sort of irked. But I, I couched it and said, hey, remember that night where I got into the fight over my ear out in Bay Ridge and those cousines like messed up my ear? You know what, what I was doing when I came home? She goes, what? I said, I pulled the car up and double parked the car because I had intended to go get the shotgun and go back and, quote, 
scare them a little bit. And my, so my mother focused on that versus the fact that I could have murdered any of my sisters. I mean, fortunately, I never would have done it when my sisters are around because it's like they, you know, I don't really, don't tell mom I got a shotgun. You know, Jeep's got a shotgun. I don't really want it. But they could have been in the rest of the house. I could have been in the bedroom with the door closed. It's like, oh, God, damn. I mean, and this is where I got this idea that, that okay, there's certain things that you might have accepted as I- inevitable facts of living. It's, if you grew up in New York in the 70s, you might think, you know, I'm probably going to have to, I'm probably going to have to kill somebody before I die. It just seems likely. I'll defend people were, but you got to understand people were climbing through windows and you know, stabbing and it was a crazy time. You know, um, there's certain things I, I was like, I will probably sleep with another man's wife. I, you know, just things that you, that you say, you know, I, possible, probable on a scale of probability, pretty high. I don't know. You know, things, you know, who knows, you know, um, these are things that you just guess, but, but, you know, I never liked the idea. And then there were a whole spate of movies from Cooley High. And this was a feature of standard 1950s movies. Some guy punches another guy, guy falls, hits his head on the pavement, and he dies. Nobody, nobody wants this, right? Like I've said before, and you've heard me say on the show, the guy, if there's somebody who kills me, I want that to be the guy who was like, kill him. I'll murder, I'll slaughter that guy if I could dig him up and give me the Klaus Barbie line again. If I had a thousand lifetimes to lead, I would lead them by murdering Eugene Robinson again and again and again. You want somebody who's committed. Instead of half these cats, I don't know how many murderers you know, but I know a fair number of murderers, as luck would have it. And and they all they all kind of give me the same thing, like, eh, eh. What is that line they say? They said, do you really want to be judged by your worst day? Now, the Nazi that I had dinner with in Hamburg, actual Nazi, not a neo-Nazi, actual Nazi, was a very different guy at the beginning of the evening than he was at the end of the evening. Of course, at the beginning of the evening, I got all the hoo-ha about how the guy was like this and he was that. He was that and he was this. And he was, uh, you know, repentant. He understood the error in his ways. By the end of the evening, <laughs> I could see that if he had a thousand lifetimes to lead, he'd lead them the way he had. And the only thing he would have changed is they would have won the war. <laughs> guy wasn't guilty at all or repentant at all. Like the guy said in that uh, documentary, the uh, Auschwitz accountant, he goes, uh, legally, I am guilty. Uh, no, he says, morally, I am guilty, but legally? <laughs> so he was parsing it. The accountant was parsing it. So, um, so um, I th- I just figured that this is something. This is something that 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 I I might do. But I you know Mercer, But I also know that if it, I did not want to be a victim of an accident, you know, like that waiting room in Beetlejuice where you know you're sitting around and you're like, how did, what happened to you? Ah, I got hit by a bus. Ah, I ate a bad mushroom, a bad batch of clams. Ah, I stumbled down. Look, people die these ways all the time. That's why I'm bringing them up. Family came here. They were from some other place. They saw some California mushrooms. They go, let's eat them. Of course, where they're from, those mushrooms are harmless. Here in California, they will kill you in a second. Killed the entire family in a second. I don't want to be sitting around in some post-death scenario were these things to actually exist and be like, Eh, well, 
I was too cheap to buy some mushrooms from the grocery store. So I went out into the woods and ate some shit growing out of the bottom of a tree. And then I died. I don't want this to be me. Right. As I've lived my life purposeful and intentful, that's how I like, I'd like, like my death somewhat to be. Right. So, okay. So I, I know a few things. I know gun accidents. In fact, I went, when I went through this craze, I had a surgeon. And we'll talk about that at some point later. Who, uh, uh, well, I know we'll, we'll talk about what he did later because this is going to take us down a whole nother rabbit hole. But the guy had two hearing aids in. And I was like, what's the deal with the hearing? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm a massive hunter. I really love. And he started talking. And he could see he was talking to me about deer and elk. I was like, yeah, bear. Eh, what's the meat like? And then he hit on wild boar. And he said, and he could see me light up where it's like a challenge, it's a pest, it's got 11-month season, and he goes, that wild boar that I had, I've never tasted anything that good. And already at that point, I'd killed poultry, and, you know, as a city kid, I was like, ah, it's, it's okay. you're going to eat meat, you got to kill it, kill it. And I, and I knew for a fact that fresh-killed food is, like, is actually really tasty if you prepare it right, and, which is why my vegetarian friends go, you don't, you don't have to prepare a peach. You grab a peach, you eat a peach. It tastes great. If you were just to grab a chicken and eat a chicken, that doesn't taste great. It's the fact that it picks up and carries sugars and fats well, and that's what we like. Okay, whatever. Salt, sugars, and fats. God, and we're not talking about that. We're just talking. About, so he gets me up on, on this wild boar thing. So I go wild boar hunting. I go with a friend of mine. We get up at five o'clock in the morning, go down to, to the, the boar hunting place, either Ukiah or down here by Mount Hamilton in San Jose. And five o'clock, we leave at four, get there at five. You know, nobody really told us that, you know, you can't sneak up on a house cat. You're not going to sneak up on a covey of wild boar or whatever the hell they call it. And the only way you get them is when they're out during the day. I have many a guy who was a, 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 a mountain biker, many a guy who's a mountain biker telling me, yeah, you know, I see them when I'm mountain in the mountain, but they're out there like they're not nocturnal. They're out during the day. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh Legally, let's just say that I, I never cut off the barrel of the sawed-off shotgun. I did bring it to Stanford with me as a freshman. Why? Because that was a year, 7980 was a year, that there were a bunch of racist incidents at Ivy League schools, Dartmouth, I think, being the one that got me, and where they were uh, beating up and abusing some of the black students. And I was like, uh-uh. No, no, no! Not gonna get me out in California. Fuck around. So, so I brought, I brought my shotgun and my weapons with me as a freshman. So, so that's that's what I did with it. But so uh, so uh, I get to this wild boar. We go out four or five o'clock in the morning. It's raining, man. This is like the like I go, man. This is nobody would do this. Even if you were hiking, you wouldn't be out here this time. Even if you were camping, you wouldn't be tromping around at five in the morning. Only lunatics are doing this. He goes, whatever, we're going to go out. We're going to be up by the first light. So we're out. And I give him a, a, a pump action Mossberg. And I take, uh, and I got like, the, the in the photograph that I used, that Magnum 44, right? And uh, high grain count, like I'll put puts anything down. And we're going, Trump, and it's raining. It starts to drizzle. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, we're climbing through a fence. There's some fence there. And I go through first because I've got a side, you know, it's my gun is holstered. And he passes me the shotgun. And I say, is the safety off? 
because I've got the video through my head of him passing it through the barbed wire fence, it catching on the fence, him going to catch it and catching the trigger. And, you know, he goes, yeah, the safety's on. And so I trust this guy. He, was, he had guns before I had guns. And he hands me the shotgun and I look and I go, hey, man, you see that red line? That red line means, oh, my God, I've shot Eugene. He's like, oh, sorry, man. Sorry. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? So, um, so we didn't get any bore that day, and I wasn't shot. But accidents can happen, and you can see where I'm going with this. I also worked on the worst movie of 1987, which you heard me talk about ad nauseum, Leonard Part 6 with Bill Cosby. All right? So Leonard Part 6 with Bill Cosby, it was me. I was guard number three, and you had these leotard-wearing, wrestling, wrestling shoes and leotard-wearing bodybuilders who were um, supposed to be henchmen for a, a vegan who was taking over the world. This is the plot of Leonard Part 6. This is the plot. So um, I, there were a range of bodybuilders. There was a guy who had either taken Mr. California, Mr. first and second of Mr. California, Gordon Kimbrough, who is also featured in Sam Fussell's book Muscle, which I've recommended before. He is now in prison for having murdered his girlfriend. He's in San Quentin. That's neither here nor there. I've mentioned him before when I've mentioned other people I know who have been in prison for murdering their girlfriends. He got 25 years. The other people I know got seven. Guess which ones were African-American? I'm not going down that road. All I'm saying. Okay. So, um, so you had him who was like a competitive bodybuilder. And then on the lower, and I actually realized I was a competitive body, but I was a natural bodybuilder at that time, pre-steroids. So um, I was on the smaller end of the range, but that's who they wanted because when you actually got us on camera, we looked like normal human beings versus the bodybuilder bodybuilders. They just look crazily large, right? So at one point, one of the crew guys comes around and they had all these cages. He's like wrought iron, like 600 pound cages that these ostriches were supposed to be kept in, that that Medusa, the woman who was, was trying to set free, right? Set free. And at one point, the crew is like, oh, we got to get the forklift, we can move it. And somebody gets a wise idea to try to Tom Sawyer, try to Tom Sawyer the, uh, I'm carrying a Thompson submachine gun, incidentally. That was a weapon of choice for me. That's what they'd given me. It was non-functioning. It, the barrel was blocked. That trigger did not work. It was for sure. But they said, hey, you guys, hey, you strong enough to move this crate? Come on, let's see. And they're like, ah, I bet we can. And I just stood there for a bit and I watched. And I know union guys, right? If, you're, if your union guy is a d truck driver, it's happened to me, ordered a bunch of magazines to a, a show that we're doing at Roseland in New York, had to be taken to the hotel before we were staying. Truck driver takes him. Opens the back of the truck, goes, there you go. He, he, uh, actually, no, he opens the back of the truck, takes him and puts him on the ground. He is, as a dr truck driver, is to offload. That's it. It, it. My boss says, Kay, can you take these inside? No, you can't do it. She goes, what do you mean you can't do it? He goes, it's not my charter, the union. I don't, you know, I can't. The hotel gets angry. So they go to the hotel and they say, hey, do you have... Can you send some order, you know, whatever, those guys, bellhops down to, nah, nah, hotel union, we don't do that stuff. So you have to hire special people to take it to 10 feet from the loading dock into the hotel, or you can do it yourself. 
you know. And so look, so these union guys know. The you know, yeah, out of scope. That's what it calls out of scope. So you you know. So they're trying to Tom Sawyer these guys, and these guys are like, and I say, hey man, what if you get hurt? It's really quiet, like that. Comas like that. And now and I watch these kind of bodybuilder guys kind of put the pick up what I'm laying down. Because you know if you get hurt doing this shit, you're fired. Good luck. Thanks. And be nobody knew Leonard Part 6 was going to be a shit movie. That was going to be a good movie. So everybody was like, man, I'm not sorry, bro. And the union guys were all looking, giving me the stink eye. I was like, fuck you guys. And I look at one of the guys and like, you know. Come on. Take advantage of these guys. Take advantage of these guys. So, this brings us around to Alec Baldwin. Now, first of all, before I even get to Baldwin, and I know I'm 37 minutes in, before I even get to Baldwin, I want to tell you about uh, something that I find extremely irksome. And I'm sorry if this is going to hurt your feelings, right? It's bound to hurt somebody's feelings. There, I live in a neighborhood in which there are a lot of street memorials for people who have been gunned down in those places. The street memorials, in one case, is now four, we're 14 years in to a street memorial from around the corner where a guy got shot by a telephone pole. The family comes out there on occasions that might mean something to him, birthday or whatever. They're lighting candles. They, you know, uh, they put flowers, memories, and. I also live in a neighborhood where cars are fully emblazoned. I go, you know, visual pollution maybe, but I'm looking at the writing. I go, oh man, this is, what is, what is these things writing? And they're all tributes to dead people. Now, if you're anybody who's comes from any kind of family who lives at all, you're connected to dead people. Connected to dead people. I'm not making a sacrament of the death of the, these are not, this is not celebratory. This focus on, and I keep looking over here because given that the sun has gone away since I was sitting here and I've got this ring light, I'm like a target. <laughs> and I don't want to interrupt the show by getting up and going, but I'm just trying to see now who's seeing me. So they've got these running tributes on the backs of uh, on cars and you know, the date of birth, the date of death, and always in our hearts, their T-shirts. You know, a personal expression like a tattoo doesn't offend my sensibilities nearly as much as these very public displays. Um, so I'm starting to think of this culture of death. I mean, right now or next week in Mexico, it's the day of the dead or the week of the dead, you know. Um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, you, I guess you remember, you, you remember, remember you're dead the way you want to, you, you want to remember you're dead. That's fine. QTAT. Those of you who've been paying attention know what that stands for quick time across town. Technically it doesn't really slow down my time across town. You're, you want to light a candle and put it there on the curb. Doesn't slow me down. You want to put some sticker on your car. One of the cars actually not only had memorial stickers on the back for somebody who died, but it had the appliques on the side of the car 
of fake gun uh, uh, bullet holes. I think of the, the, the infamous words of Tony Montana, you die, motherfucker. You're so in love with this. You're so in love with the finitude of the human experience that this has got to be a constant, continual reminder to you. Embrace it. Live it. Love it. Go ahead. Do it. But as a friend of mine once said, the, the, bear, camp for, the bear Camp for Kids guy once said, you know, there are two types of people. They're the people running into the building to see if everybody's okay. And there are people standing outside the building saying, I hope they're okay. <laughs> if you want to talk about a profile in courage, let's talk about Scatino, the Italian ship captain who, when the ship was capsized, left and went home. In, in terms of candor and honesty, he scores a thousand on my scale of a thousand. In terms of bravery, he, <laughs> he is self-sacrificing. They asked him about that. He goes, that's for the movies. But you can't help it. Every single video. And then they said, okay, we don't want to have videos with guns in it anymore. So then, you know, whether it's hip-hop videos or whatever, so it's got guys doing with their fingers like kids. If you the mothers say, oh, we don't want any more gun toys, take the gun toys away. My buddy looks out his window and his sons are playing with sticks. Bang, 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 bang. They, we love it. It, it. There's something that ties into the animal portion of our brains. We fucking love it. You know how many murders I participated in this week? Just by brief embrace of pop culture? Hundreds. I watched a 19 for, uh, Crimes of Passion with Barbara Stanwyck and Sterling Hayden uh, two nights ago. One murder in that movie. One. Now, you watch a movie, you might, you know, um, you know, uh, you watch it, what was it, John Wick, where it, and they've now figured out to how to computer generate the, you know, the gunshot thing. So all these movies, whether it's a Squid Game or whatever, you could see, it's all computer generated. Hundreds, hundreds. Hundreds. I'm going to post something. If you follow me on Twitter at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, uh, I may I may not even do it because it's so sensitive. I may not do it on Twitter. I may just do it through the uh, privacy requested Instagram, Mr. Sleep Three. Do not send me a request if I can't look into your page first. But I'll send you an Oxbow ad. Oh, I can actually show you here. Where is it? I will. I I got into a whole bunch of Oxbow stuff. I'm going to. It was an ad. It was an ad that was rejected. And, and what was shocking about the the ad was that I was shocked that it was rejected. Let me see. Can you see? I'm sorry. You just got the side of my face now. Let me see if I can find it during the show. Otherwise, if you're on Instagram, you'll have to just find it on Instagram. I can't. I can't get it during the show. My back is hurting now. Uh, but in any case, my. <laughs> You know, people went nuts just because of a little bit of penis. They went nuts and banned the ad, all right? I had two versions of the ads. Both were banned. Um, 
Oh, here we go. I got it. I knew I had it. Um, so you don't have to go. So this is the ad I had Mott Stromberg design at one point back in the 90s. This is a penis for those listening to SoundCloud, and it's an, a cankered penis. This is a dick, a guy with an open mouth. And the third panel is, this is a penis in a dick. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's not the point. The point is, it's an entertaining ad somehow. This was shocked. I can watch John Wick and see 600 people killed during the make it, and, 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 and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, nobody's asking for a little bit of penis. There's a deaf cat. Um, so uh, we have this culture of death. So, so on a movie, a Western, which presumably this was a 45 single action revolver. You know, single action revolver. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin shoots to death. Uh, the director of cinematography and then the, the director accidentally gets shot. They were, had had the shoot had union problems. You know, people are struggling with COVID, trying to union problems, were unsafe. The armor arm, was not sure about what he was doing. You know, and uh, you know he was not sure about what he was doing. And then it wasn't really tuned in and then there had been problems and then the, now Brandon Lee who did the same thing er, first guy to get done this way was John Eric Hexham if you remember I'm a Voyager former football player who became uh, former football player who became a uh, uh, an actor and then died goofing off with a a, 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 a a blank gun because he didn't think it I thought a blank was just like a fire uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, you know, starter pistol or, uh, or like a like a firecracker. Like there's nothing coming out of it, and of course, there's a little bit of coming out, and then he shot himself in the head and he died. Um, so, uh, so there've been accidents. Or Vic Morrow on the set of Twilight Zone, you know, murdered by the or killed by the helicopter blazer. You have to be careful. Killed, not murdered, right? And and okay, it's a terror. I mean, now Alec Baldwin is in a completely fucked up place where. He's got to live with this. The accident, the punt cap gun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The accident, the, you know, you slap a guy in a bar, the guy falls over, catches his head on the bar when he goes down. You realize there was one time in Japan where I was being taunted by an audience member and I went out and did this catch wrestling move on him called the flying mare. And that guy landed on the back of his neck on the floor. And I was at 265 at that point. And I lifted and threw him down, and he didn't move. No, like, writhing in pain. He didn't move. And moreover, when he hit the neck, it was like, I was like, man, oh, man, I'm going to end up like Randy Blythe. This is before Randy Blythe. Fortunately, the guy regained consciousness, and they brought him out, and we were long gone by the time. But whatever. These guys were not about to be calling any cops in. Most assuredly... Most assuredly, I would have been arrested in many other countries for this. Um, so, 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 um, 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 so, a, uh, 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 um, uh, the guy who was throws it. Oh, so uh, end of my but so so Al- Alec Baldwin kills this guy, an accident. My least favorite scenario. Don't want to be taken out that way. Don't want to take anybody. Do not want to be the product of anybody else's accident. In general, do not like do not like accidents, and certainly not like this one. 
like Matthew Broderick driving on the wrong side of the road, killing the family in Ireland. Don't want that, dumbass. Don't want to. Don't want to. Don't want to be on either side of that equation. But Alec Baldwin is. Alec Baldwin, who's old style New York lefty, has been very vocal about his New York styling. You know his his political stylings, um, as well as you know he had some. Uh, you know, yeah, could have helped with record sales. Wouldn't help me at the at the commissary. Um, so, uh, you know, so now the first thing that starts to happen is they hit up the memes because it's so fucking hilarious that this director, you know, this, uh, director of, uh, cinematography, director of photography got shot. It's so hilarious that they got shot and that the director himself got wounded. It's so hilarious. It's so funny that that happened. It is so funny that that happened, that there got to be memes for it. Do you realize this is the flip side of the other coin? I don't like the candles. I don't like the emblems on the car. I don't like the cult of the dead that, w- that we, are, we are part of. And on, on the joke side, I don't like, I, I, I have to say on the joke side, I, I just, do I think, it, you know, what I, I, I'm of that school of comedy, you know, the punk rock like there's nothing off limits for me but it doesn't mean i have to think everything is funny and it doesn't mean that i have to be if this is going to be our response you know um look look i am the guy on the record as a guy when bart thurber called me back whenever it was in the 90s and said oh man you won't believe what happened for what he goes kurt cobain killed himself i was like fuck kurt cobain He's like, whoa, don't be that way. I go, if that guy can't think of a reason to be alive, there's no hope for the rest of us. You know? Um, and, I, you know, my, my opinion over time, that was a little hard-hearted. And, of course, when Robin Williams killed himself and Rollins evinced a very similar sentiment that he got, he got roasted for it, right? He got, he got roasted for it. You know, because you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. You don't know. Well, in this instance, I don't have to know what's going on in somebody's life because an accident, you could have been depressed. You could have been happy. You could have been taking a poop in a hole in the ground. You don't know. It was, it, not, it was an accident. It was an accident. But I more look around the room I'm in, and what do I see? I look around the room I am, and I see people who think it's hilarious. That's great. That, I, hey, I got a sense of humor. I'm willing to laugh. Let's laugh, laugh it up. What else are we going to laugh at? You know? uh, um, can we laugh at Oklahoma City bombing? The, the picture that turned people against uh, uh, Terry McNichols and all of those cats when the fire guy is carrying out the dead infant? Is, can we laugh? is that hilarious? I'm sure a talented comedian could find some sort of humor in it. Or maybe about Sandy Hook. Because dead kindergartens, man, that that now that's comedy gold, right? I'm not mentioning this stuff because it offends me. In actual fact, it doesn't offend me at all. But if you're not bothered by it, if you can't personalize your way to some sort of empathetic understanding of what that's about, then good. Then you think I'm the most hilarious guy in the world. And there's nothing I could possibly say that would bother you. Well, we know that's not true. Those cats who were there in January 6th were some of the touchiest cats. The people I know who are really blasé, victims of their own ennui, they don't give a shit. 
they, it's not like I can't tell whether he's acting like he doesn't give a shit or he really doesn't give a shit. You meet the whatever crew. Now we've come full circle. You meet the whatever crew. Whatever. They stand on the sidewalk saying, I hope they're okay. They're not running in there. Like the cop, they busted some cop who is at Sandy Hook or, or no, uh, Parkland. And the cop was like, hiding behind a dumpster. It's like, I hope somebody's going to run in there and save him. Somebody, you're a cop, it's your job. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the fuck, I'm not running in that building? <laughs> and get killed? Nah, nah, sorry, son. I'll give you some parking tickets, but uh, this other thing, you call the SWAT team. That's what they're specializing. Hey. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, um, so, you know, there's no, there's no half measures for me. I mean, and that's where, and that's where, and that's where I, I part ways with a lot of people. It's like either everything has the potential for be, be, being funny or alternatively, or alternatively, everything has the potential for being funny or alternatively, you know, um, well, I don't know what the alternative is. Because clearly everything that, ha- while having the potential to be funny, it doesn't, I guess what what it is, is let's get comfortably to a place where everything has the potential to be funny. It doesn't mean you have to laugh at everything. The fact that you look at the murder on the film set as being an opportunity to score one to own the libs is fucking pathetic. And, and you might want to talk about reciprocity, you know, oh, when Antonio Scalia died, people were making, um, you got to understand it's an order of magnitude from a guy who's 93 and dies and people expect him to die for a long time. And somebody who was like in the prime of their life who gets, obviously we love these stories. Why the fuck do we, people give a shit about Gabrielle Petito, whatever that woman's name was, strangled to death. And incidentally, I don't believe the boyfriend's dead, but whatever. Ryan Landry. I just don't believe it. I believe he'll turn up somehow 30 years from now and the guy will be like, ah, I went to Thailand and yeah, I'm sorry. I blame it. So, you know, um, so yeah, the, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole Fox thing, look, a friend of mine, she, she's walking down the street. Right. And, th- and this will be the capstone. It'll make sense. To you. She's walking down the street, minding her own business. She hears, bam. People running, oh my God, she turns around and a meter maid has been hit by a car, had stepped from her little uh, um, tri-wheeled vehicle and was struck by a car. And she turned, she looks at the meter maid on the ground and she goes, (laughs) and then she thought, yeah, I think I'm going to hell. Her response was automatic. It's not like she planned it. Now I'm going to hang out this corner and wait till that meter made. It was automatic, knee-jerk, fucking punk rock to the fullest. She was feeling bad about it. Like, I don't know if I would feel bad about it. It was an honest response, like laughter. I mean, you were processing that it was dire. Maybe it was nerves, and that's just how you chose to process it. She, she wasn't sure. She wasn't sure, and I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, if it were me, I'd probably say, go and offer aid. Well, my kid in. I'm not offering aid. But if I were to go offer aid, I was like, oh, you're having a bad day. I wonder about those last 10 people you gave tickets to, if they had bad days too, but they yet and yet they got tickets. And the person would look up from the, 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 the death rictus and say, I was just doing my job. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going, Mr. Is. You see me looking around, but what am I? Am I going to throw my wonderful Scully candle? Nah, I'm not going to throw my Santeria candle. Am I going to throw my uh, stuff on my desk? Am I going to throw uh, my special uh, death's head? Nah, I'm not going to throw that. Am I going <laughs> to? These are things. What does Eugene have on his desk? It's like, what's in my bag? <laughs> Am I gonna throw my my my? Uh, uh, I'm not gonna throw that. You see, there's a theme. I complain about the cult of death, and I participate in the cult of death. You can't help it, but it's how you participate that makes the difference. Very precisely, how you participate that makes a difference. So, uh, um, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, everything is always loaded all the time. Yeah, exactly. That's it. JB's got it. <laughs> you fall open manhole and die. Ah, 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 ah. But it's so clearly shallow. It is so clearly shallow. Like some guy, a guy who's actually a doctor in Texas, who I knew in college, the biggest drug taking goof ever, a Latino guy, now is a Texas. He's from Texas, went back to Texas, been operating as a medical professional for the better part of the last 30 years, well-esteemed in his community, and he's sending me shit about Brandon. And I was like, I, 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 I don't get it. Brandon? And he's like, and he has to explain the joke to me. And finally, when he gets to the end of this whole joke, he's like, I go, how old are you? What the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you people? I, you know, I, I can't be the only one. Like, I, I'm willing to laugh at anything, but I'm only willing to laugh at things that are funny. And understanding, you know, you know how you know you have a smart kid? If you have a kid who can process humor. Is a humor is one of the more difficult things to process as one of the early stage indicators of intelligence. Early stage indicators of intelligence. You know, um, I think when I was seven years old, six years old, I wanted to tell a joke. Say, knock, knock. You say, who's there? I say, Apple. My mother says, that. my mother, my stepfather says, Apple who? I go, Apple and Orange. Ah! All I knew is that there was a setup. There was a thing that was said and another thing that was said. And then at the end, for some magical reason, everybody laughed. That's where we are. <laughs> Brandon, da-da-da-da, Fox says something. <laughs> but there's no mirth in this laughter. There's no intelligence in this laughter. And a, So you've been wait, laying in wait 
Alec Baldwin accidentally kills some poor unfortunates on the set of a movie. And because he's been giving it to, to Trump via Saturday Night Live and has been an outspoken lefty, that this is cause for merriment and amusement. Fuck your candles on the sidewalk. Fuck you. We're going to make the jokes because you had it coming. That, that's, that's, is that the, that's what? That, is that the setup or that's the punchline? Jesus Christ. How old are you? So, you know, I, I, I have to say, I have to say, I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, well, you know, you talk a good game, Mr. Mr. Big Mouth. How many guns do you have? I go, I don't have any guns, which is what I will say every single time I'm asked publicly. I have nothing. What is your point? Well, you know, your point is, you you know, excoriating this, this death culture, and yet you participate. I said, well, you know what? I may excoriate sun, but I still use sunblock. Does that make any sense? I don't think it does. I was just taking a flyer on that one. I who know? Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? The point of the matter is, you know, you can laugh at anything, but generally it only makes sense to laugh at things that are funny. And that differs from person to person. But if you're honestly laughing at a crippled meter maid, good on you. I suspect in the case of Alec Baldwin, you are not, and so bad on you. In any case. <laughs> BATF, I no longer have a FFL. Thank you, BATF. <laughs> In any case, this is version 187. Let's see if I can do that. A one. Uh, what was it? This is version one. Uh, eight. Seven of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. You had the commercials in the beginning. Feel free to donate it if you can. The Substack is out. It's on Satanism for more for uh, the impe- uh, soon coming uh, Halloween. Super interesting. You you might you might dig on it. And uh, there was no care. I don't care this week because the fights were crapola, and Steph had something to do. Don't know what private personal stuff. So Tuesday you will see uh, a John Nash. And Alexi and I on If the Shoes Fit. Uh, next week, there is a fight, I think, of some import. So we, you, if you follow us on the Twitter machine, we will give you our picks uh, so we can keep up with Finley beating, beating Finley to see who's going to take the lead for successful tout picks uh, vis-a-vis MMA. And, of course, there'll be another Substack uh, next week. The Substack, since we had that 40, 46,000 person week with the first Aussie piece about the house Negro gets it in the end. The numbers have stayed unexpectedly high. So I thank all of you who subscribe. Remember, you can subscribe for free. You don't have to, but you can. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Is. <laughs> County, County, that's what I say. Counting fingers. Um, I, I, I think, um, hmm. Yeah, I think I went with I think I went with the old guy crew. I think I went with the old guy crew. I and I keep feeling bad walking away from Polish power, but age trumps it. I feel it. I train today. Feel it. Feel old. Feel old. I felt I only felt better when a guy who was thirty nine was complaining about how bad and how old he felt. And I was like, <laughs> you're never gonna make it. Not to fifty nine. 
Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to the Substack. Only visible means of employment at present. I might have some new news for you next week about all the stuff that's going on post facto, a lot of which is very interesting and involves documentary films, TV shows uh, connected to me that have nothing actually to do with Ozzy, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I don't like to, to, to queer the vibe before the vibe is actually established, so I won't talk about it until I'm actually signing contracts, but it's been an exciting and interesting time. Yeah. And at the, at the very least, <laughs> you guys, man, Eugene, I remember when that guy was just doing the show from his car in his underwear. Now look at him, that prick. <laughs> look at him. Hey, you know, just say being rich and successful was a change. It doesn't change me, you know. It changed where I live and, you know, who I hang out with and uh, the cigars I smoke and the, the fine wines I drink and the fur coats that I wear. But it hasn't changed me. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think we have to worry about that. I fully expect it to be like life on planet Oxbow. Uh, yeah, driving with a laptop, exactly. I expect it to look like uh, uh, life on Planet Oxbow, you know. <laughs> we always knew you would fail, but never quite so spectacularly. Still can't hear out of the left ear. Anyway, thanks for listening. Try not to die between now and next week. Uh, until then, read the substat. Until then, look what you made me do! Uh!